Hi, and welcome to Drafting Compliance. I'm Kane, he's Tom, and we're joined by special guest Joe Evangelisto, CISO at Tango Analytics. We talked about personnel security last time. Today, we're going to be talking about a story Joe told me about when their company's existing 3PAO lost their authorization status. But first, beers. Joe, what are we drinking today? Uh, so today, I went with a Cooler's London Pride. So I decided to go with something that was a little bit more, you know, just simple, right? Not overly complex, not overly hoppy, just nice and easy. I, I spent a couple of years in England and no everyone gives them a bad rap on their beers and saying they're warm and everything. But actually what I find them is I found them to be very drinkable, just an everyday easy beer that you can just enjoy. So I figured I'd go that path for us. Well, fantastic. Okay. And so would you recommend this beer for like 10 a.m.? Because that's when I'm currently <laughs> recording. Is this is this a good morning? I mean, I think the English would definitely say it's a good 10 a.m. beer. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I wasn't able to find this beer, so I went with another uh, English tradition. So I went with the Boddingtons. Good choice. So in terms of drinkability, I've had both beers. This won't be too far apart, although I don't think Fuller's is nitrogen. Boddingtons is. So I've got that fun little ball in my can that I can hear rolling around. But uh, I'll, I'll enjoy this one just the same. All right, and I think this is the first time I've had to use a bottle opener on this show. That's unless it is a twist top. It doesn't look like it. So let's let's cool. crack them. Yeah. Let's let's crack them and see what we're doing. Oh, the sound of opening a nitro beer is so so impressive. Absolutely, yeah. And they just give you a it's, it's a smoother, you know, feel. Yeah, it's, it's just nice for sure. For sure. Oh, I like the size. I can fit it in the glass. That's always something I appreciate about beers that actually, sometimes Tom gets this, these like tall boys and like sends them to me. And oh. So this is a very amber beer with small bubbles and not a lot of them. I can tell you that much. And I can actually see through this one almost. Yeah, yeah this, the Boddington's um, is a little less amber. It's got a little more gold to it. It has some head and it actually leaves some lace on the bottle. So that's, or on the side of the, the glass. So that's impressive. What's it smell like, Kane? It smells like a brewery. <laughs> what do you smell in, in, in the Fuller's, um, Joe? You know, I think it's just got a bit of maltiness to it, right? A touch. There's something sweet in there, maybe. Oh, you get sweet. I don't get any yeah, sweet in the Boddington. Maybe something sweet, something like uh, caramel, maybe. Mm. This is very bready, very yeasty, very buttery. So I would even Sounds say like breakfast. Jeez, yes, it smells like a <laughs> buttery biscuit, is what I would there you say. Go. So, all right, I'm gonna taste I it. Wish I could have found that. Dig all in, right, fellas. We'll, we'll have a go and see how these go. Cheers. Oh, oh! So, Kane, it looks like you like yeah, it. Yeah, I think I've what? just ruined his morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting first impression. Well, I'm, I can say it does not coat my tongue. Thank goodness, Tom. <laughs> I'm try try one more, as I always do, just to see if it gets well, any better. I'll talk about the Boddingtons because of the nitrogen. This is extraordinarily smooth. It tastes. Um, it's it's got that creamy mouthfeel to it. Um, it's it's a beer so it, you know some of the craft beer guys that listen to this and i'd be a craft beer guy too 
none of the typical words that come to mind are going to apply to this. This is a pint in the English sense of a pint. So it's it's very sessionable. It's easy to drink. There's not about a, a lot of hop character behind it. So it's not super bitter, but it's uh, easy to drink. It does, because of the nitrogen, it does finish with a high alcohol flavor, which is interesting on the backside of it. But uh, yeah, it's easy to drink. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely have had the bottling before as well, and I would agree with all that. I think on the Fuller's, I think even though it's an amber, it definitely leans a bit more towards their kind of, you know, ESB, the, the bitter at the end, because it does have a bit of a bitterness towards the, the taste at the end of it. Um, but again, I mean, I'm not a big hops fan. For me, summer beers are the worst, because everyone's bringing out all these the hops, and it's like triple hop this, and just it kind of kills me. So as we go towards the fall, I like, you know, more of the, you know, the ESBs or the, the lagers and the, you know, the fall beers. So I, I decided to not, yeah. you know, bring out the October beers just yet for you guys to save that for another month. So um, big fan. Yeah, that's of the true. October Spooky fest. season is coming, which I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll awesome. give our numeric reviews of these beers at the end. Um, but before then, we're going to talk about that story you were telling me, Joe. So it's just so we have some context, though, first, can you uh, briefly walk me through the role of a 3PAO in the FedRAMP process from the perspective of a client of a 3PAO? Sure. So, I mean, a 3PAO, from my perspective, what I use them for, they're my auditor, right? They are going to assess my controls and the things I put in place and all my evidence and my processes and my policies to make sure that they are adhering to the standard that FedRAMP is expected of me. Right? You know, we're FedRAMP LISAS, so our controls and our requirements are much lower than others, right? But we still have them. And so they're there to do just that, right? They're there to double check on me and to then identify issues or concerns, to identify risks, to give us a chance to respond to those and, and so forth. But at the end of the day, they're then going to create that package and provide a report, right? Um, so they're not there to help me. They're, right? they're there to assess me like a true auditor would. Fair enough. And so now going to your story, how did you initially find out about your 3PAO losing its authorization status and, and what immediate concerns came to mind for you? Sure. It was interesting because we actually were scheduled as a Friday. We were scheduled to have our kickoff call for our upcoming uh, reassessment, right? So our yearly reassessment of our status. And when I got on the call, I immediately knew something was wrong because one of the bigger executives you know, account execs was on the call. I'm going, that's interesting. Why is he here? This can't be good. And and sure enough, that's when they let us know at that call that they had been informed that their authorization was going to be revoked and they wanted to talk through the situation and what had occurred and give us a background and everything else. Um, you know, of course, when you first hear that, I've actually obviously never worked with a auditor who's had that happen to him in any sense, right? Whether on the you know, ISO side or the SOC side or anything else. So this was the first for me. But you immediately have to think about, like, oh, all right, what is that going to do to impact my existing agencies? How are they going to feel about this? You know, is this going to now slow down my reassessment? Can I do my reassessment? I gave it done in time because that was all, you know, all, a lot of people do the reassessments around the same time. Auditors at that time period can get very limited in their availability. And, you know, now I have to find a new one. Right, potentially, right? Or can I use them? That was the other question. That's what they were pushing. Like, hey, there are options here and so forth. So we we kind of talked a little out, but there's obviously a lot going through my head. Um, a lot of it being yeah. around the risk that it proposed, you know, to our company. So Joe, it's interesting that that happened 
on the reassessment stage. So thank goodness, at least in my mind, that you'd already gotten the the ATO um, process completed. Can you talk a little bit about where you would have been had it been at, at a different stage in your in your journey? And you're absolutely right. That's one of the things we were very, in a sense, fortunate and, and blessed by because we were way past the ATO part, right? And we were doing our second reauthorization, so we've been down this road before, right? So um, a lot of those, you know, issues didn't crop up, and the timing couldn't, in some ways, be more perfect in a, in a lot of ways, right? Um, yeah. But you know, if it had been anywhere else along the journey, let's say we were had started the assessment, let's say we were a month in. Well, essentially, all that work would have been out the window, right? All the work we would have done with them, essentially, the money we paid could have been out, depending on, on the contract, right? Um, and then again, you're having to restart from scratch, you know. But now, you know, you're on a you're on a window. Your agencies are expecting you to have your reassessment done by, say, end of September. Well, now you're not going to hit that date. And you got to, you know, so all those things definitely kind of pack on to the fact that this really extends out that whole process. And you then you have to hope that your agencies are willing to work with you and, and support you through a, through an occurrence that really was outside of our control completely. Because the, you know, their revocation had nothing to do with us, right? It had everything to do with things they had done through other, you know, other assessments they had performed. Yeah, so sure. were there any other immediate implications for your organization's FedRAMP certification status or uh, your certification, your, your recertification due to that event? Our existing certification was not in jeopardy. Um, that was a nice part because that had already been, like I said, it was almost a year old, which is why we were doing reassessment. So there was no real jeopardy to that. And a lot of, a lot of people in my company were worried about it. I was like, well, no, that's, that's not in, in question, right? They were a fully authorized shop when they went through that process. So that was not going to be in jeopardy. Um, but it was definitely, it was the reassessment. It was the big question, right? It was going to be that timing of it was really going to come into play and whether or not we were going to be able to still meet our timeline as expected or whether we we're going to have to go to our different agencies and essentially ask for the ability to extend that authorization beyond the normal <clears throat> timeline and while well, we figure this out. Yeah, and let's talk about that. Let's let's like, what were the immediate steps or the actions you took after you learned about the loss of your three PAOs authorization? So one of the things I was immediately concerned with was making sure I got ahead of the agencies, right? Meaning, you know, obviously the the assessor was going to have to notify, you know, everyone that hey, this has occurred. We've lost our you know accreditation, and we need to we're not going to be able to do these certain things, right? Well, I wanted to make sure I was the first one to reach out to my agencies, let them know what was happening, not the other way around. I didn't want them to seem to think that I was not on top of what was occurring. So that was my immediate concern, but I also wanted to make sure that we had the right language and we were proposing, you know, we had a good plan, right? It seemed like, hey, this is occurring, we're on top of this, we have control, we have a plan, this is what we're going to do, X, Y, Z. So, you know, there was obviously most of my day just went out the window. Once I had that meeting that morning, right? My Friday was toast. And I spent the day, you know, talking to, you know, my compliance admin, talking to people who do FedRAMP work, talking to management and executives about the situational drafting, you know, various versions of an email off to the agencies, getting that, you know, approved, making sure that the, the wording was how we wanted to portray it. Uh, and then getting that out, right? That was the idea. Was I was trying to get it out quickly because we knew they were going to be letting people know come Monday. 
right? We were fortunate, and again, based on timing, we we got word the way we did. So that was my initial, like, let me get ahead of this, right? And get this out the window. And, and on the back side, I'm also kind of going, all right, there's, you know, a limited number of free KOs out there, right? There's not like a, if you go use anybody. Uh, so um, I need to try to get going down that path. So that was the other part is between all that, I'm reaching out to other three PAOs, sending them off requests, saying, can we get on a call? Can we start to look into this? Do you have time to even audit us? Right? So lots of lots of activity. Tom, this sounds like something we don't want to have happen. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm going through that in my mind thinking uh, that, that sounds like a nightmare-fueled a couple of days, but you know, it's, it sounds like at the end of it, you you found a three PO. I mean, obviously you're you're still compliant. So um, the the process or the the set of steps that you took seemed to work for your favor. It, it, it did, and I can't you know stress enough. The timing was very fortunate for us, right? It really was because it could have been much worse. And I also say, you know, the the, the vendor who had lost their accreditation, they were very professional. They were very they were as helpful as they could be given the situation. You know, they were willing to get on calls if agencies needed to. They were willing to, you know, provide information and so forth. You know, even when I went back and said, hey, you know, I know we've already paid you a chunk of money as a to start the process. We would like that back. They didn't fight us on it, didn't argue us on it, right? They were, you know, so I, I would say, you know, from that perspective, I really appreciate their professionalism and they're willing to do that. That's great. Considering, you know, they were in a, a bad spot as well, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think we'll, we'll explore that um, just in a moment. But if you're enjoying today's episode, uh, do remember to ring the bell for more beer reviews as well as uh, FedRAMP, too. So, so, Joe, let's talk about this disruption. Um, how did it affect your organization's timeline or any milestones that you had? So um, so this actually only happened about you know two months ago, right, really? Oh, wow. Uh, so we're, yeah, wow, so this we is kind really of, live. It's very This is a fresh recent. wound. Yeah, so um, so luckily what, what ended up happening was, um, like I said, I immediately identified, I think, uh, three or four, three POs I reached out to immediately. One, I had had an existing relationship with, who I'd used to other companies for different purposes, but I knew they did. And so that helped, right, having an existing relationship with them, even though I wasn't using them. Um, and I reached out to all of them, and all of them, as you'd expect, you know, responded quickly. I said, look, here's my situation. I need to get on a call. We need to discuss this. I need quotes immediately. I need your statements of work. I need to, you know, get through this. So I think I talked to four different ones. We narrowed it down to two. I had those two get on actual calls with us to walk us through their process, right? And then we then went from there to decide on who we wanted to go with. And all along the way, the initial the initial part of that request was just like simply, before we even start going on the path of quotes and talking and everything else, this is my current timeline. I need to have my assessment completed by this date. I end up can you even meet that date? If you can't, can you come close? You need to get it done this year. Like what is your ability to to meet that? So that was kind of the first like bar I needed all of them to cross, right? Mm -hmm. And all of them basically came back and said, yes, we can meet your date with the exception of one that said, well, I can't do September, but I probably get it done in October. Like, okay. So the initial scary part was a little less scary because it seemed like we we're gonna be able to stay on our existing timeline. Then it came down to like, all right, then my next worry was, I'm coming at all these guys last minute, you know, asking to basically potentially move things around, make way for me, you know, am I gonna get hit the pop of the right? 
Are they going to come back and say, yeah, we can make all this work, but there's a, a premium for that? Which, you know, could be expected. Um, that didn't occur, which was nice as well. So far, all the vendors, again, they were reasonable. They were understanding. I think a lot of them just wanted to win that business, knowing that it would be a continual business going forward. Repeating, yeah. Exactly, right? So obviously, I think that, that worked in our favor as well. Um, and then, then it was just, you know, deciding on which one we felt uh, best, you know, met <clears throat> our needs, who we felt was going to partner with us well, right? Who was, who was presenting us a fair offer, who could meet our timeline, right? And then you you can't help but think also, like, well, which one do I think is going to be very reputable? Right? We've just had a vendor who who had an issue, who had their status quo, which is unusual, to say the least, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't help but kind of go, all right, I need to make sure I pick someone who this isn't going to happen to again. So who do I think has reputation in the industry that also, you know, lends some weight to it? And you can't help but do that. You can't help but think, you know, uh, making sure you're choosing a vendor that has that behind them as well. So that also plays. Yeah, so, and I, I want to focus on that because I think there's something here Tom and I can learn because we're still working on assessing and making a decision. So, um, Joe, did this experience change the way you're, you assess and engage with your three PAOs or, for that matter, any other third-party vendors? I mean, I think you can't help but take a little bit more of a closer look at them, right? It obviously can't just be on price. It can't just be on timeline, right? Um, I do think it has to their, their um, you know, how they're viewed in the industry matters, right? Um, and I think the only way you can get that is by talking to others in the industry, right? You know, so uh, others who have, um, so one of the things I, I did when I was doing this was uh, I talked to my peers and said, all right, who will be all you who, who've gone through FedRAMP, specifically through FedRAMP evaluation, not just SOC or ISO or stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and who did you like and why did you like Or if you didn't like somebody, why didn't you like them? Like, start to get a feel for it. So I talked to a lot of my peers, you know, across the space about who they were encountering, what they saw, what they felt. Um, I also talked to, you know, some friends who used to kind of work in more in the audit space. All right, what's, like, this is what I hear on my side of the house, the clients. What do you hear on your side of the house as a practitioner, right? What was your experience, you know, in working with these people or working with someone who came from that, that company and, and how did they come across all those things start to, you know, give you a bit of a better picture than just what you get during the initial, like, statement of work and the phone calls and, you know, marketing can do an amazing thing uh, sometimes to make things look much better than it really is. And so it's trying to uncover behind and look behind the curtain and make sure that's exactly what you're getting. Interesting. Wow. So so you're, you were... This is only two months old, at least this decision, it sounds like. So you're still in the process of reassessing. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, so we are about a month in to the reassessment now, to the reauthorization. So the um, decisions that you made, I mean, are they playing out as you would have hoped? And So far, yes. So far, everything has gone, gone well, right? So far, we're very happy with the company we went with. Uh, they have been extremely, you know, uh, organized professional and on top of things they've been very uh, informative and helpful um and, and they were soon before we started when we had some various questions and that was the other thing that i think was very interesting was even before we got some of the paperwork finalized and signed right, we weren't an official customer yet we had some things pop up and i needed some guidance and normally i would reach out to my 
company say, hey, I have some questions on X, Y, or Z. How is this viewed in the FedRAMP space or whatever? Um, and they didn't hesitate to answer. And they didn't hesitate to answer quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Which also gave me comfortable, made me feel more comfortable that I made a good choice for who would be chosen. So yeah, yeah so like far, a, you know. A partnership there with the vendor rather than an adversarial relationship, which is classically what you'd see in a pre-sales, like with an assessment organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I've always, always want with my audit firms, right? no matter what they're audit of me is, is I want this to be a two-way relationship, right? Um, <clears throat> it should never be adversarial. Uh, it doesn't help me at all, right? And, and they're certainly not going to then be willing to work with me on things as well. So right. definitely creating that kind of partnership early on definitely helps. But right now, we're currently we're on track to, to beat all our dates. There's no indication that we're going to be delayed in any shape or form. Um, and, and, you know, that speaks to their willingness to work with us, their willingness to be to respond quickly uh, as well. So. Awesome. Best case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So then based on the, your experience here, Joe, um, what advice would you share with other organizations under FedRAMP when they're uh, selecting or working with a 3PAO? So I think the selecting thing, like I mentioned, is, is don't be afraid to work with your peer group and ask them questions and reach outside of them to really understand who it is you're working with your partner. Ask other people they work with. And don't ask them for references because they're only going to give you references of people who are really happy with the work they've done. I mean, that's just, right? We all do that, right? If you get into right. your job, they want a reference. You're not giving them the guy who hated you at the job, last job. You're giving them your boss who loved you, right? So I, I think you have to, you know, work your avenues uh, with your peers and with your community of others who have worked with these different vendors and get their insight on what's going on. And you'd be surprised what people will tell you. Right. You know, obviously it's all off the record. They'll never be quoted for it, but they'll give you the real down dirty about how they feel about things. And that can be truly insightful. It can also help you sometimes during the actual negotiation or the, you know, when you're deciding process, give you a chance to go, all right, I've heard this. Let me ask these questions to suss that out a little bit. Right. Uh, and get better insight of what's going on with them. So I think that all, that all helps for sure. That, that for the, the process has to be part of it. I do think you mentioned the partnership is huge, right? I think you want someone who's going to partner with you, who's not going to just come in with their checklist and go, you do these five things, oh, you didn't, okay, we're done, and they walk out. But no, you want someone who's going to talk with you, interact with you, help you, right? Sometimes these things are not always clear. There's a lot of gray at times, uh, and you need to be able to ask questions and get feedback that they can provide because they've done hundreds of these and they know exactly what's expected and so you want them to be able to work on that and there's you know there's a great there's a fine line there with them assessing you versus them assisting you so you know you have to walk that um, and they do too but again that's all part of that idea of that partnership they should be able to do that in a way that makes both you you know toe that line it is their business yep absolutely a lot of good advice there for us tom for sure. I mean, I, I think about our own journey on finding a 3PAO. There's pieces there that I can um, really put into process right away. Um, in I take a similar approach, Joe, in terms of my discussions with 3PAO. I want that partner. I want somebody who wants to come in and understand our business and how we go about our business. I don't want somebody who comes in with a clipboard and a checkbox and, and just sort of um, curse, does a cursory 
walk through and when they find a gap they just walk away i agree yeah. so yeah i appreciate the perspective yeah, yeah absolutely well, well, let's finish up. Let's talk about beers. Um, I made a, I think I might have gargled earlier just to, to, to <laughs> start to explain my review on this one. Um, I will say, oh, God, it's the smell. I'm going to try a third sip just because this is what we do here. It's actually mellowed or my taste. No, no, it hasn't mellowed. Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. So I am torn between this and that pink beer that we drank earlier in the season as which one is the absolute worst thing I've had to had so far. Um, they are tied. I think I gave that pink one like either a one or a two. And I think I'm reserving the one for like something worse. And I'm not sure if that worst thing is coming, but um, I'm going to give this a solid, a solid two. Um, Interesting. If, if, if you like, I'm not sure what you'd have to like, actually. Um, good luck. <laughs> right, Sorry, Joe. Joe. I know it? you like this one, but um, not my not my English cup of tea. And certainly not for 10 a.m. <laughs> on okay. a Friday. There, there are definitely some hop beers out there. I would feel the exact same way you, you do. All so, right, Joe. Let, well, let's hear, <laughs> your, let's hear your take on the beer. So, I mean, I think, you know, again, it's just an easy, everyday beer. Right, this is nothing. It's just nothing special, right? This is not something I'm going to go buy for a special or special night or whatever. But if I just want something easy to drink throughout the week, it's something I would definitely buy. I, to me, it's it's akin to like a fat tire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something along those lines, you know, just a simple everyday kind of beer. You know, no one's going to like rave about it, right, and get super excited. But most people are going to be aren't going to give you a hard time about it either. Yeah, right? I think it just kind of crosses that middle of the road. So I would probably give it around a seven. Nice, nice. I'm pretty sure Kane is wondering what a fat tire is. <laughs> uh, no, uh, one of my friends has has shown me they have stickers that they put on mountain bikes, yes. and also on lift poles at Mount Baker. Actually, weird enough. So it's I think they're a relatively <laughs> local Pacific Northwest dish brand, I think right? They're, I think they're in in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be wrong oh. about that. I, yeah. I could be wrong I about that. Hear a lot about them here. Yeah, yeah, they they're one of those craft breweries that spread very very quickly. Um, so they're pretty much nationwide. So we could do a fat tire some episode for sure. Um, so so I'll talk about Boddingtons. You you know I'm gonna echo much of what Joe said in terms of of this being just an easy drinking everyday beer. This isn't as everybody knows. This isn't my favorite style of beer. I do like the hoppy beers. I do like the tons and tons of character and in trying to pick out the different hops. So this doesn't have any of that. What it does have is sessionability. So I can sit and drink this, um, no problem, probably drinking three or four of these. It's relatively low ABV, as almost all English beers are. So this is, I think, four and a half or 4.6%. Um, so a lot of the you know, the, the hoppy beers I drink, they, they push the six and a half and 7%, um, some all the way up to nine. So this is easy to drink for me. Um, I could sit out on a porch and drink it, no problem. So um, because it's not my favorite style, I'm going to give it a five, but I'm going to tell you that it's not because I think it's offensive in any way. Actually, the nitrogen <laughs> makes it somewhat fun to drink. Um, so yeah, there it is. Fun. Yeah, super fun. Get, you should hear this. You hear that? That's the nitro a ball bit, yeah, in the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool. That's cool. cool. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's all for today. Uh, Joe, want to thank you for being on the show. And for everyone else out there, please do like and subscribe for more on our FedRAMP journey. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.